On today's episode, Lucas and I will be covering the Hyperloop technology first envisioned in 2012 by Elon Musk. We will discuss how the technology works, the feasibility, the companies that have already started building it, and our thoughts on the future of this highly anticipated transportation system. Welcome to Today's Tech, the number one podcast for updates and discussions of the technology sector. So the Hyperloop is the future of traveling. Basically, it is a high-speed train that uses magnetic levitation and pressure to shoot a pod through a tube. Here's Dirk Alborn on Reason TV that will better explain the Hyperloop and how it works. Can you just give us an explanation of what the Hyperloop is? So imagine a capsule with 28 people that's hovering inside a tube at really high speeds of 760 miles per hour. It's completely solar-powered. It's cheaper to be built, it's earthquake-stable. It can never crash. Um, it is immune to weather. The Hyperloop would go effectively faster than the speed of sound. You could conceivably live in San Francisco and work in L.A. What's the difference between a Hyperloop and, let's say, a, a maglev train like those in Japan that ride on magnets? The propulsion and levitation is, uh, you know, there's different ways in which you can do it. The original Hyperloop uh, proposal was talking about air skis. Meter and a half long paddles that use the air around them to create pressurized cushions of air on which the pod can ride. All right. So for those of you who still don't understand that very well, here's another clip of Elon Musk doing his best to simplify the concept from CNN Money. I know that there are various companies that are trying to create uh, the Hyperloop, and uh, honestly, I think it's a lot easier than, than people think. The blueprints are pretty complicated. Well, blueprints are always kind of complicated, and I mean, yes, there's math, <laughs> but it's really not that hard. It still sounds pretty complicated, Elon. It's like a tube with an air hockey table. It's just a low-pressure tube with a pot in it that uh, runs on, on air bearings, on air skis, with uh, an air compressor on the front that's taking the, the high-pressure air buildup on the nose and pumping it through the air skis. It's really, I swear, it's not that hard. <laughs> All right, so after that video, now that you have a, bit, a little bit of a better idea of what the Hyperloop is, let's take a look at the top companies trying to build this thing. First and probably the most popular is Virgin's Hyperloop One, which some of you have probably heard of. Virgin's Hyperloop has predicted it will be able to produce speeds of over 700 miles an hour, but as of right now, in 2019, it's just at 240 miles an hour, not even half as fast as it could go. Still really fast, but still underperforming its expectations as of right now. So to date, Hyperloop One has received $295 million, and their reason to people for why the public needs it, quote-unquote, is... A growing global economy requires faster, cheaper, safer, and more efficient transportation modes. Our roads, airports, and ports are congested. We haven't had a major new form of transport in 100 years, and we're due for one, especially one that is ultra-fast, on-demand, direct, emission-free, energy-efficient, quiet, and has a smaller footprint than other high-speed transport modes. Hyperloop is an additive to existing forms of transportation and will integrate seamlessly with the transport ecosystem. They also estimate that the top speed for their passenger vehicle or light cargo will be 670 miles per hour, and that is two to three times faster than high-speed rail and magnetic levitation trains, 
and 10 to 15 times faster than traditional rail. So it would obviously get things everywhere where they need to go a lot more quickly. Not just people, but items and anything that needs to be shipped. Wow, that, that's pretty interesting. Like, I can't imagine going that fast and getting to places as fast as they're saying it will get you there. And I noticed in the news, since I'm from Missouri, that they did a feasibility study for a track from St. Louis to Kansas City. Have you heard about that? Yeah, so it was actually really cool because I went to the um, meeting that they held at Mizzou. They had they had a bunch of engineers come to Mizzou, and I'm not an engineer, but I attended the event just because anybody was welcome. And I went there, and their main point, which was really cool, was that Missouri is a perfect state that connects the east to the west, so it's a great place to build one, first of all. And also, they made a good point of explaining how the four-hour distance from Kansas City to St. Louis, they would be able to cut that down to just 28 minutes, which made a lot of people really excited for obvious reasons. Also, thinking about this route in Missouri, it could bring a lot more fans for sporting events. Like, think of Nick, think of how many more Cardinals games you'd go to knowing that the trip would only take you 15 minutes rather than an hour and a half. Exactly. Like, there would be no more Royals fans. They would all just vanish. <laughs> they would all vanish. Yeah. Everybody would they be could a get, Cardinals fan. Yeah. The only reason they're Royals fans is because they can't get to St. Louis easily. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ticket price would be the price to pay for parking. Yeah, and then, exactly. And also think of the, all the alumni in St. Louis and Kansas City from Mizzou that they don't go to the games because it takes up their whole day rather than, oh, I can leave an hour before game time and make it with plenty yeah. of time to spare. And I think it would just be a huge boost for all the fan bases in Missouri to be able to go to games and not worry about driving, driving under the influence especially from zoo games, Oh yeah, things like that. Think about if somebody in St. Louis loses their job or somebody in Kansas City loses their job, they don't have to find a new job in Kansas City necessarily. They can find a new job in St. Louis or they can find another job in Columbia or they can find a job anywhere in between that Hyperloop route that they would be able to get to way more efficiently and cost-effectively and they would be able to like even live in a rural area and make it to that job as long as it was close to that Hyperloop route. So it would change it would completely change the economy and the living situation for a lot of people in Missouri. Yeah, you wouldn't have to pack up and move completely out of your way. Exactly. To, to it, find opens a new job. A t- it opens up a ton more options. Oh yeah. And think about even for students, like you find an internship that goes all year round in Kansas City, but you're go to Mizzou, you wouldn't be able to go- do that internship, but now yeah. yeah, school hop on takes you 30 minutes and you can get to that internship all year round. Exactly. There's no question that a lot more options open up with this. So, so the other company battling to complete the first Hyperloop system is a company called Hyperloop transportation technology. It's initials are HTT. And so shortly after Elon drew up the blueprints, the Hyperloop, popped up on the crowdfunding site called Jumpstart Fund. It's just crowdsourcing. And since the start of being on Jumpstart Fund, it has gained $245 million in funds. And investors evaluated HTT for $700 million. And it hasn't even proved like that's a real thing, like actually works. And that just shows how much faith investors have in this idea and the company. So the CEO is Dirk Alborn. And... 
2018, they created their first full-size pod. This pod was made from a carbon fiber that is a new technology, and they're actually calling it vibranium. And that's off the material of the Marvel comics, like for Black Panther and Captain Marvel Shield. <laughs> and so this is a smart technology that has sensors that will relay information of the pods as it's happening. So if there's any problems with it, they'll be able to fix it as soon as it gets to the station. And it is eight times stronger than aluminum and ten times stronger than steel alternatives and transmits the information right as it goes, such as temperature, stability, and integrity. The length of the pod is 100 feet long, and it weighs about five tons. The, it's crazy. It took 21,000 hours just to make all the pieces for it, and then a whole, a whole other 5,000 to assemble it. Each Damn. pod should be able to hold like 28 to 40 people. And at top of efficiency, each station they are imagining will be able to move 164,000 travelers a day. That's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that's crazy. That's all a ton of good information, especially the 164,000 travelers a day. I would have never guessed that, but that seems like a ton of people. Um, But now that we have a lot of information about HTT and Hyperloop One, let's go on and compare the two. So one thing that we thought was hilarious is that there's a little competition between these two companies, HTT and Hyperloop One in Dubai and Abu Dhabi area. Um, So... At the World Expo, which is just a competition between countries, not even necessarily a competition, but just like a showcase and an exposition, um, it's been around for 150 years and a ton of countries. This year, there's going to be 142 countries that are going to be coming to it. But in the past, the Eiffel Tower, the Seattle Space Needle, the telephone, TV were all showcase items that people like countries were showing there before they came out. And for 2020 at the expo in Dubai, Hyperloop One has been nominated to be the United States or one of the United States nominees. And Lucas, why don't you tell us about um, the HTT? So it was funny, shortly after the US announced that, uh, HTT decided to get on top of it and bring the competition full, full speed ahead. And they actually got cleared in October of 2018 to start a track first commercial track in Abu Dhabi, which is going to be literally like right next to the world expo. And they're like 20 minutes away. Right. Yeah. Sounds like that. And like, so they're planning on starting construction in the third quarter of 2019. And they're going to build a 10 kilometer long track right next to the world fair, right? Where it'll probably have just enough for people to actually use it before the world expo even comes out. So when everybody comes and sees the hyperloop one, everybody's going to be like, Oh, we've already seen this shit. Yeah. It's just going to (laughs) like confuse investors. And it's funny because they're both competing for the name hyperloop and HTT claims. And I honestly think has a better claim to it because they're, I mean, first of all, their company has been around for longer and they were the first ones to actually get startup money. So if anybody deserves the rights to the name, it's HTT. But yeah, I think it's funny that they're kind of starting these little pesky competitions already, especially with like the World Fair. Yeah, and I noticed another place they're kind of competing in is India, one of the yeah. most popular countries in the world. They're both trying to build a track different places, but I think once they get on their feet, it's going to be interesting to see these two companies battle it out and see what countries they can be in first. And Oh yeah. And it's going to be like, once they actually get on their feet, they're going to be competing for speed. They're going to be competing for safety and things like that. 
it's just hard to kind of compare the two right now because none of them actually have like actual testing tracks. But I'm going to say around like 2020, whenever they have like tracks that people can actually get on and like not have to sign long waivers to use, but to actually like commercialize, it's going to be interesting to see which one comes out on top and like to see if one of them monopolizes the market. Yeah. And I think after one admits defeat, they're probably going to try to transfer to cargo only and let the other company just be passengers. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting take on it. I didn't even think about that. When we look at the future of both of these companies as a whole, just the whole Hyperloop technology, um, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the whole St. Louis, Kansas City, um, I-70 route, I think it's going to be really interesting not only to see how kind of like people can live in different areas from where they work if this comes out and they can get places really quickly and not necessarily have to live close to their family and stuff like that. Everybody can spread out. Um, another positive to that is that in a lot of big cities, the infrastructure is kind of lagging behind the whole population development in these cities. And it's going to be really exciting to see how a lot of the stress gets taken off all those, all that infrastructure in those big cities and how, I mean, nowadays house prices are almost unattainable in places like San Francisco and LA and New York and places like that. So it'll be cool to see that kind of just be like redistributed across rural areas and it'll kind of like even out the playing field for people. It'll definitely be like a huge change to our economy, just like any other new form of transportation has done. Yeah. And uh, w- something I want to bring up is I'm going to be so intrigued to see how all the substitutes for traveling are going to combat this, like airplanes, like planes, yeah, even just normal rail. There's still mm-hmm. a bunch of that. Just everything's going to be changed by it. Yeah, because kind of like what you said earlier, like if an efficient system can – according to HTT can carry up to 164,000 people a day with just one route. I mean, that's people. You can pack a lot more items and packages and like um, just like stuff like that in a Hyperloop than you can people. And if, if like you can pack a ton of that in there, it's going to be a lot cheaper to be able to transport that than airplanes and with semi trucks. I mean, I would assume, wouldn't you? Yeah. And think about the packages wise, like, you t- like when you order things on Amazon, they do have the two day shipping, but maybe with the Hyperloop, it'll be one day shipping. Ooh, Jeff Bezos is going to open his own Hyperloop. Yeah, like since he has his own carriers now. Like, <laughs> dude, that'll be really exciting, actually. That'll be really cool. I know this next few years is going to be really exciting to see how this technology progresses. Yeah, because we get to watch the ground break, like, or the whole groundwork kind of like play out. Mm. this these next couple of years like it's the, like at this point none of them have actually really established like routes necessarily but there's no doubt that it's going to become in existence yeah and you have this many people investing believing in an idea and you got some of the best uh, minds CEO. behind it. yeah minds working some people are even working for free right now just to make this a reality like you can't look at richard branson's hair and tell me you don't believe that <laughs> Another reason that the Hyperloop technology is going to be able to get so much more funding is that Dubai actually promised its country that they would reduce carbon emissions by 30% by 2030. And this Hyperloop technology is completely powered by solar and wind energy. So it puts out, it obviously puts out less emissions than cars and airplanes. So they're definitely going to be 
big supporters behind it to kind of make their country a lot more green. And like, obviously all other countries are going to follow, like, especially in Europe, in the United States, everybody is kind of pushing for that nowadays. Oh yeah. Everyone wants the next efficient and clean energy. Yeah. I mean, even before Tesla's kind of got like really big, that's why it got so much investor money. And I mean, the U S department of uh, energy gave them a ton of money too. So another thing about thing about the future is uh, when hearing this, you're going to think of how are you how are you going to feel when you're going that fast in a tube? And yeah. they've actually said it just feels like takeoff on an airplane. So it's mm-hmm. that no one's experienced before. And also, everyone's going to be concerned with safety issues, like what happens if the tube breaks or something, or yeah, the earth sh- like an earthquake happens. The cool thing is they're on pil- they'll, they'll be on pillars that will be structurally sound enough to withstand an earthquake. And okay. with the tube, they're gonna it's gonna be strong steel or vibranium in some cases. And the that it closes sections off while the tube passes. So even if one part of the tube gets structurally like damaged, it'll be closed off and won't affect the ride at all. And they'll just mm-hmm. close until they can fix that problem. And there'll yeah. be sensors on the tubes that'll be able to detect it right away, and they'll be able to fix those problems right away too. Yeah, and I'm sure, like initially, most of the hyperloops are going to be built on stilts, like the ones that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for them to decide to build underground or like through stuff because of that whole idea that you know, like how Elon Musk talks about with his boring company transportation underground people think is like a lot sketchier because of like earthquakes and stuff like that. But when you really think about it, it's kind of like the ocean. And if there's like a tsunami or something like a hurricane in the ocean, the deeper you go, the more safe it is. And that's kind of how the earth's crust works. So if you actually dig deep to a certain extent, you're actually much safer for earthquakes and stuff like that. And there won't be any risk. I mean, it's already a vacuum sealed tool or tube. So there's already like a lot less risk of like rain and like other weather and stuff like that. But I mean, like if you're underground, it'll, I feel like it'll be a lot less likely to erode from like snow and rain and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, I mean, it may be more expensive to kind of like dig those tunnels and build those rather than just kind of like building them on top of the earth. But eventually at some point, I think there will be a move to kind of like build them underground, especially when it goes to like bigger cities. Cause they won't even have room to build yeah. the Hyperloop like through cities. They're going to have to go underground, kind of like Elon's doing in L.A. and kind of how the Chicago mayor wants people to build like an underground tunnel. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I think if Elon's idea works with the Boring Company, they're definitely going to look into that. And why not yeah, try? it could set off a chain reaction. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't try something with this already crazy technology to just make it even better? Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Today's Tech. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and also click the link in the description to check out our Facebook page. Thanks for listening.